Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman-Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. Certainly, I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. It certainly wasn't easy. And at times, I felt like I was being tortured because I could go to bed one night with pretty good vision. So pretty good vision being maybe 40-20 vision or something or 60-20 vision. And I considered that a blessing. And I would wake up the next morning and not be able to see it all. This show came as a result of a note we received that said, who wants to hire a blind interior designer? And I guess we'll learn that this week. The answer turned out to be quite a few people. We'll speak with John Robert Wiltgen about his long and successful career as an interior designer in spite of his visual impairment. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from John Wiltgen. I believe that we, you know, have the choice of deciding we're going to be happy or not. And which one do you want to be? You end up having a lot more fun and it's easier to make friends when you're happy. The reality of the world we all live in is that everyone's got a story. And we could all come up with numerous reasons why we could be or should be depressed all the time. But I think that, you know, on the other side of that, we can also find a lot of reasons to be thankful for whatever it is we do have. And I chose to always go in that direction. You know, do you turn left or do you turn right? Support for Eyes on Success is provided by NaviLens, a four-color QR code designed to be located and read from up to 60 feet away without the need to focus on it. Personal places and items can be tagged and shared with family and friends with codes obtained inside the NaviLens app, available for iPhone and Android. More information is at N-A-V-I-L-E-N-S. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting John. My name is John Robert Wiltkin. I have been a type 1 diabetic for 53 years. And as a result of that, have encountered all sorts of complications. Um, when I was diagnosed in 1967, there was very little known about the treatments of diabetes, and uh, except that I was eight years old, my parents were told I probably wouldn't make it to 30. I'm 61 years old right now. That is a tough disease, and I understand as a result of that, it led to some visual problems. The very first complications that I encountered was um, retinopathy. Those circumstances started in my early 20s. The blood vessels in the back of my retina began to break. What I was seeing was 
like this cobweb of blood in the back of my eye. What is the state of your vision these days? The state of my vision now is I am totally blind in one eye, and I have about 16% vision in the other eye. I cannot drive a car. I have no peripheral vision at all. So I'm really dangerous walking down a street. Like I'll trip over some little old lady or trip over a baby stroller or whatever. So I do not venture out of my home without either my husband or a friend. And then we'll just walk arm in arm down the street because that way they can pull me to the left, pull me to the right, make me stand still while people walk around us. Do you use a cane or a guide dog or do you rely on individuals? Right. I think the individuals are easier to take care of than a guide dog. <laughs> well, I assume they need to eat, but at least that's not your problem. I mean, I live in a high-rise condo, so and we just got like 12 inches of snow. So it's not like I can just open the front door to the building and let the dog go right out into the street and do whatever and then come back in, you know? So you, you don't even find that a cane might be helpful in navigating around or signaling to other people that you have a visual impairment? The answer to that is yes, it most certainly would make my life easier. But two things. Number one, I'm German. And number two, I'm a Leo. What does that tell you? I'm stubborn. Now, we'll talk about this more in just a minute. But we should let our listeners know that as a visually impaired person, you have a very interesting job that is quite unusual for someone who can't see so well. Tell us what that is. I'm um, an interior designer, or I was. I've retired after 40 years, I retired. By the time I retired, I had amassed 40 awards for the work that I had created. I worked all around the world. And since my retirement four years ago, I've collected five more awards. Interior design covers a wide range of subfields. What was your specialty? My specialty was residential design. And I worked the other side of it, meaning that I worked with developers manipulating floor plans that they were then going to sell to their customer base, designing their sales centers, designing their models, doing their lobbies. But because it's not like I was selling a hundred of something, I was only selling one of something. It was fun in that I could continue to try different things. Certainly my perspective was different. Um, my work maybe had more contrast in it than where another designer might do everything just in the same shade of gray. I was needing to create contrast so that we could see the difference between an object and a wall and a chair and a coffee table. Also good lighting. I mean, in the house that I'm living in right now, which is about 2,200 square feet, a uh, two-bedroom condo. I put in 85 recessed lights to help me see. And it probably makes everybody else who walks into that condo have an easier time seeing also. They need sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> they can deal with it. <laughs> right. Support for Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Find out more about partnership opportunities by sending an email to 
hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is John Robert Wiltkin's successful and prolific career as a blind interior designer and how he was able to do it. In the introduction, you mentioned that you are an interior designer, and we've already talked about your visual impairment. Tell us why someone would want to hire a visually impaired interior designer. Well, people didn't know. I mean, I didn't tell them. I wasn't going to say, hi, I think I could do, you know, I have a great feeling for old houses. I mean, literally, that was the line that I used. But I, I couldn't say I can't see, but I got a good staff who will help me interpret your project. Um, so I had a woman that worked with me at the time and we would walk into every job arm in arm and she'd be whispering in my ear, seven steps up, turn to the left, turn to the right, hole in the floor, look out. But I mean, you know, giving me all these clues so I could navigate my way around whatever that interior may have been but in one particular instance i remember her saying to me oh my god john i wish you could see this house it is the most (laughs) amazing house you have ever been asked to design so i guess you saw enough to get around to be able to look at people even if you couldn't see the details of their faces and with a little bit of assistance you were actually able to perpetuate this cover-up for a pretty long time Well, for the first half of the 1980s, I mean, I would go from having 220 vision to having totally no vision at all. Um, And then it would come back for a little while and then it would go away again. But there were times when I was totally blind and my parents who lived in Texas kept saying, you know, you should move to Texas. Texas has great programs for visually impaired people. And I just didn't want to do that. So I was living on my own. At that time, there was no such thing as an insulin pump. So I had to find someone who would fill a handful of syringes for me so that I could take them as needed. I mean, if you can't see what's going into it, you can't self-dose a syringe. Oh, right. Yeah. So I guess you learned to become very flexible with your eyesight changing from time to time and just work around those issues. Yes. And I mean, certainly I don't want to make it sound like it was easy. It certainly wasn't easy. And at times I felt like I was being tortured because I could go to bed one night with pretty good vision. So pretty good vision being maybe 40, 20 vision or something or 60, 20 vision. And I considered that a blessing. Yeah. That's not so bad. Right. And I would wake up the next morning and not be able to see it all. Yeah. I had a similar situation in college towards the end of my college career. I had had glaucoma throughout my life and it was getting worse and worse as I went through college. And my last couple of years, there were some days I could hold up a book close to my nose and read it perfectly well you know, although very closely. And then there were other days where my eyes were just very blurry and fuzzy and I just couldn't make out anything. And I had to learn to do my homework and do my assignments when my eyes were cooperating. And then when they weren't, I'd do something else. So you learn to be flexible. Right. Yes. I guess the other advantage you had in your career was 
you were sighted when you were young. In fact, you still had reasonable sight during some periods. So you had a sense of what the world was. You knew what things looked like. You knew what colors were and how colors interacted. That had to be a big advantage. Yeah, when I was 17 years old, I had already graduated from high school. I graduated from high school in three years. And the next year, I was the manager of the Midwest model branch for the Glidden Paint Store. I had 10 people that worked in my store. My assistant manager was 54 years old, which to a 17-year-old seems like grandpa, and that's what I used to call him. That's pretty funny. But I, I mean, and and working my way up to that position, I mean, I was working the retail floor and I would sell people wallpaper and then I would custom match colors to melt off the background of that particular wallpaper or a color that complemented the wallpaper or whatever, you know. And that was really how I got a taste for the industry. I also... Um, before that even, was working in a professional theater. And that was really my introduction to the magic that could be created with good lighting and fabrics and and just a few pieces of interesting objects to, to make your stage setting uh, tell a story. So some of your first major changes in vision happened in your early 20s. Was that about the time when you were deciding what your career path in life was going to be? Or had you already decided? I had already decided by that time that was my career path. And so I started my business a second time around after starting it the first time around with a partner, Um, which is where I learned that the only good partner is a dead one. Um, (laughs) A little bit of word of advice there. One day, her husband came to beat the shit out of me in our office for a reason I won't go into. And we're out in the hallway, and I'm on the ground, and he's on top of me, and he's 30 years older than me and the size of a football player. And I'm a waif, you know, I'm like 137 pounds, 5'11". And a man comes out from the office across the hall and puts a gun to this guy's head and says, I suggest you get off that young man. Oh, gee. <laughs> so after that, I went back into having my own business as opposed to having a business partner. And it was that way, really, for 40 years. Had you reconsidered your career choice at all after you started having these rather no. dramatic vision issues? No. You you just decided you were going to tough it out and work it out somehow one way or another. Somehow I was going to make it work. So I understand that you had an entire staff. Eventually, once you built up your business and you could have people assisting you with whatever you might have needed. But in your early to mid 20s, you were just getting started How did you deal with getting around the visual issues? Well, I mean, I always had a staff because, well, I didn't for the first six months, let's put it that way. But then once I started having eye problems, I had, I needed help. And so what that meant was maybe I wouldn't get a paycheck for two or three months in order to have money to pay people who could, who could help me. 
And so it's a matter of priorities. You know, everybody for mine, the entire tenure of my career got paid before I did. Well, because you needed them. I mean, uh, right. you were also, I assume, being a nice guy and an honorable boss. But without them, the business wouldn't have succeeded. At times, it would not. That's correct. Well, that's an interesting way of approaching the challenge of having a visual problem is to surround yourself with a team. You know, everybody has complementary skills at some point. Not everybody is, you know, an expert at everything. So even for someone who is sighted, it makes sense to surround yourself with a team. But in your case, it was essential, but also enabling. Yeah, I was always a hard worker. I excelled in school. I was kicked out of design school, but probably because I was German and I'm a Leo and I think I know everything. And particularly, you know, when you're in the upper years of your teenagehood, you really think you know everything and nobody can tell you anything. You only get stupider with age. Right, right. Well, as I say, yeah, the older we get, the less we understand that we really know, you know. And that is so true. I mean, I think of what I thought I knew back then and what I realized over time I didn't necessarily know, which which then required that the people that I hired come with a certain set of skills to help fill in the blanks. So you already told us that you don't use a cane or a dog. You rely on people to get you around. I'm wondering, in your profession, do you use uh -huh. any assistive devices, screen magnification on your computer, speech synthesis? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I have my, my fonts turned way up. Um, sometimes I will have my computer read incoming emails and... That's really the extent of it. Mm -hmm. As an interior designer, that uh -huh. encompasses many different facets of making an interior space look the way you want it to look. Selection of materials. You even move walls, right? Oh, you know what? I do so much more than that. I've designed homes from the ground up, including a 40,000 square foot home under roof in Lagos, Nigeria. Wow. So the question is, of these various facets of your job, what parts are the most challenging with a visual impairment? Traveling about a country that you've never been to before. I, I mean, because, you know, after a while, the floors of the merchandise mart, I've walked those hallways so many times that after a while, it's like, secondary to me and I could visualize what was on a floor without having to be able to see but the first time I got off the plane in Lagos Nigeria I had two people traveling with me that were on my team plus one of my clients emissaries was traveling with us because it was not safe for us to travel without him and when we got off the plane, we were met by two bodyguards carrying AK-47s. Oh, that'll make you feel reassured. <laughs> right at home. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You mentioned that you, for the most part, get by without telling your clients that you're visually impaired. And through the use of assistance, 
you can get through the day and through the interactions without people finding out about your visual issues. But I would guess occasionally some client does find out. And I'm wondering when they do, what is their reaction at that point? Well, usually they find out when the relationship has changed from being a client to becoming a very dear friend. And I have a lot of people that I would say that that was the condition. I mean, uh, one client I did seven houses for, one in Captiva Island, one in Holland, Michigan, and then a bunch in the Chicagoland area. And so after 20 years of working together, they kind of got the sense of something not being right, although they couldn't put their finger on it. And, and it wasn't only that I couldn't tell them that I couldn't see, but shortly after we thought we resolved these visual problems, then it came time to have a kidney transplant. And, you, you know, when you are self-employed, I always say that being self-employed is the closest thing to being unemployed. You never know where your next client or your next job or your next paycheck is coming from. Yes. And so you are doing everything you can to put your best foot forward until they chop that off, which was something that happened to me years later. So there was all kinds of stuff that I just did not share with my clients unless they had crossed that threshold of not only being a client, but being a very dear friend. But interesting, after nearly 20 years, they still hadn't figured out that you had these visual problems, except for having a sense that there's something a little different. So you did pretty well at hiding it. Yeah. You know, for the longest time, I had a, a Russian driver who would drive my car for me, and I would sit in the back seat and make phone calls for the hour or hour and a half that I was in my car coming and going to a job. So, you know, that kind of inflated the persona. You know, it's like, oh my God, this guy's got a driver, he's got 10 other people in the office, he's got this, he's got that, blah, 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 you know? It's all about marketing, I guess. Interesting point, yes. And how you position yourself in the environment. I mean, you know, there were times I went out to dinner with clients and I had my menu upside down. (laughs) Not knowing that I had my menu upside down, I just, you know picked it up and pretended to be staring at it and pretended to be reading it. And I would always listen to what the waiter said was their specials for the evening. And a special with salmon was typically what I went with, you know, but one evening, this woman, she's like, Oh my God, John, your menu's upside down. And my assistant that was with me, she's like, Oh, he's just testing you to see how observant you are. It's something that we need to know when we're starting a new project, you know? And then I turned it upside down. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that that we passed that one, you know? And I got this job, which ended up being three different buildings for a developer that was converting them to condominiums and they needed all their hallways done, their lobby done and their models done. And they were going to be very um, visible projects. So we weren't the only ones bidding on them, but we got them. And, you know, it was just stuff like that. Well, it sounds like despite your visual 
issues and other associated issues that you've had quite a successful and fun career? The most important thing is that you love what you do. It isn't about how much money you made or even about the awards that you may or may not get. It's just about that you love what you're doing because when you're putting in eight or 10 hours a day, five or six days a week, you'd better get something more from it than just a paycheck. And I got so many things out of it and I wouldn't have traded any of it for... 2020 vision. Well, that is a very good attitude and a very important concept to carry around in life. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Now for this week's final item, how to see photos of some of John Robert Wiltkin's work, how to find his blog, in which he talks about his work and other stuff, and how to contact him directly. John, if people had questions for you, would they be able to contact you? Sure. They could do that at my blog, which is john at thecandyinmypocket.com. What a fun name. And what does your blog contain? Um, it contains stories about... You know, having your leg chopped off, just everyday things, um, a kidney transplant, not being able to see life with diabetes, um, and then travels abroad. I've been all over the world. I was kicked out of the casino in Monte Carlo with 14 clients of mine. And, <laughs> you know, the women were all begolded, bejeweled to death. The men were all in tuxedos, but we were having too much fun. <laughs> Let me just put it that way. And what's the web address for the blog? Oh, it would be, I guess, www.thecandyinmypocket.com. That title for my blog is the same title for a book that I've been writing for three years, which is now finished. And so the other part of the equation to getting published is finding an agent and finding a publisher. So I'm working on that currently. It's been a long a long haul. Great. Now, you're an interior designer. I assume your business has a website if people want to see pictures of your work? Yep. JRWdesign.com. And I have to say, I've been to that website, and there are many, many photos of very different kinds of interiors, and they are spectacular. Thank you for saying that. I was selling style at the end of my day and solutions that met families' needs to move on to a bigger house, a smaller house, a more open house, a country house, a house in Africa, whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And each one of those circumstances came with a different set of requirements. But at the end of the day, not only did I want it to meet those requirements, but I wanted it to also be something that their guests were in awe of when they first came to visit and when they came back to visit. And if you missed any of that contact information, it will be in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
That's it for show number 2117. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking with Dean Hudson about his career path from technologist to accessibility evangelist. Dean's vision began deteriorating as a child, but he never let that stop him. Developing an interest in computers as a youth, he went on to have a long career in technology and is now Apple's accessibility evangelist, and we will be talking with him about that journey. We had a great time talking with Dean, and we hope you'll join us for that episode next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy, and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.